This is another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero here with you on a football Friday, week two. First road game of the season for the 49ers. They pack up and head to New Jersey to take on the Jets. And yes, this is a game they should win, but that is not enough for me. I'm sorry. I got to see more than that. I'm going to explain sort of my expectations for the offense and the defense this week because there's certain things I want to see and certain things I don't want to see. So we're going to break that all down. Plus, special guest this week, Newsday's Bob Glauber is going to join us. He, of course, covers the Jets and the Giants, and he's also a Hall of Fame voter. So I want to get into Patrick Willis's chances for the Hall of Fame since he was just announced as one of the potential finalists. And uh, also, Bob wrote a book called Guts and Genius, the story of three unlikely coaches who came to dominate the NFL in the 80s. It's, of course, about Bill Parcells, Joe Gibbs, and Bill Walsh. He's got great Bill Walsh stories, and I wanted to sort of pick his brain about that because, let's be honest, this is a game this weekend that should be over very quickly, and that's going to lead me right into it. The things I want to see this weekend, this isn't just a win game for the 49ers. Yes, you have to win it. But to me, I call it the remember the Titans game. I don't want them to gain another yard. Just like Billio said, if the Jets cross the line of scrimmage, take every last one of them out. I want to see the defense dominate this week. The Jets offense stinks. It is terrible. Let me just read to you the offense that Sam Darnold is going to have around him on Sunday. Frank Gore at running back. 37-year-old Frank Gore. Wide receivers, Brashad Perriman, Chris Hogan, and Braxton Berrios. No Jameson Crowder for the Jets this week. He's got a hamstring. He's out. And the tight end is Chris Herndon. That is the most pathetic group of skill position players I can remember basically since the 49ers of the early 2000s, to be honest with you. That's putrid. And to go along with it, by the way, you're pairing that with Adam Gase, who... If, if there's anyone out there that still thinks Adam Gase is like some offensive wizard, allow me to educate you. Since the Jets have been coached by Adam Gase, they have scored on just 24% of their possessions. That's the worst in the league. They've gone three and out on 44% of their possessions. That's the worst in the league. And their average drive has gone just 23 yards. Guess what? That's the worst in the league, too. Adam Gase don't have it. There should be nothing for the Jets on Sunday. I want to see them get absolutely smothered. There's no excuses for Eric Armstead to not have a big impact on this game. You got that huge contract? These are the games you have to feast. Fatten up the stat line, Eric. I want two sacks from you, maybe a forced fumble. You should be disrupting every single pass play. And that's what I think will happen. Nick Bosa spoke to the media this week, and he said something I thought was pretty interesting, so I'm going to play it for you. We're playing a team that allows us to kind of play our scheme this week, and uh, we're excited about that. And, yeah, it was just kind of like putting that behind us and getting, getting on with the season and getting back to what we do. When he says they allow us to do what we do, what he really means is Sam Darnold can't run around like Kyler Murray. So everything is set for the Niners. The table is set for them. That defensive line needs to feast. The secondary is banged up. Sherman is out. We still don't know about a Keller Witherspoon who was in the non-contact practice jersey on Thursday. We don't know what's going to happen, but it shouldn't matter. The 49ers D-linemen 
should absolutely dominate this game. It shouldn't even be difficult for the secondary. If the 49ers do not shut out the Jets, they should be mad. They should be mad. That's the kind of offense they're facing. And if you're going to be a team that gets back to the Super Bowl after losing it last year, you need the defense to be what it was last year. And this is the game to show that. Because if you can't do it against this team, if you can't do it against this coach, who are you doing it against? Where is your confidence going to be? I don't want to see any laughing on the sidelines. I don't want to see any celebrating, by the way. None of that. Dominate. And act like you're supposed to dominate because you are. This is what you should do. You shouldn't be happy about it. It should be businesslike. And I think they will. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, it's very, very simple. The offense in this game has two jobs. One, protect the football. The only hope the Jets have is if they get the football back on turnovers or, like we saw last week, a blocked punt that sets up a short field. That is it. You take care of the football. If every drive ends with a kick, you're going to win. And the other job, get up by two scores. You get a two-score lead in this game, there's no way the Jets are coming back. Very simple. Protect the ball, get up by two scores. Now, how do you do that? Run it. Run the hell out of it. I don't care if you're getting three yards of carry. Run the ball. You've got all those running backs there. Use them. Coleman, McKinnon, Mostert. Even Juice should get a couple of handoffs in this game. And I know the Jets have a good run defense. I don't care. That's how this offense moves. Run the ball. And then, once you run the ball, let Jimmy throw it in play action, please. He's a much, much better passer going off play action. Every quarterback is pretty much. And you hardly used it last week. I think it was just 12 of 32 plays. 12 of 33 plays were play action. Crank that up, Kyle. I want to see Jimmy get into a rhythm. I want to see him gain some confidence. That's what this game should be about for the 49ers. Heard an interesting observation from Steve Young. And I want to make sure I give the proper credit because I always hated when people didn't do that from when they stole stuff from Pro Football Talk, which I used to produce. And trust me, they did. So I think it was on KMBR. Let me just double check. Yes, KMBR. And I hadn't thought of this, and I may have been wrong with my analysis on Thursday. That could be my fault. Steve Young said it wasn't that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't know what to do when his first read wasn't open. The problem was he was going through all the reads too quickly. So he's going, first read, one. Okay, he's not there. Check, check, check. And then all of a sudden he goes through four receivers and he's got no options left. And now he doesn't know what to do. And and Jimmy's strength is not improvisation. So I said earlier in the week that he didn't know what to do after his first read. I could be totally wrong about that. Maybe he was flying through all of them and then he got stuck and didn't know what to do. Once the All-22 film came out later in the week, I did see a couple of things where if he had been a little more patient, there were some openings. Dante Pettis got more open than I thought. I still don't think he can play at all, but he was open a couple of times and Jimmy did miss him. There was a play with Kittle where Kittle sort of ran out into the flat and then cut it up field, sort of like on a wheel route, a delay wheel route, and he was open. Jimmy didn't let it go. I think he was getting off of it too quickly. And you combine that with the fact that maybe he took a couple hits earlier in the game, you know, that speeds up your clock a little bit. That's a bad combination. So I'll be interested to see this week what kind of game plan Kyle has and and how Jimmy looks in the pocket. I think there'll be a little bit of motivation for the Jets defense. Quinnen Williams, 
is in the middle of that Jets D. Of course, that was the debate. Remember, should the Niners take Bosa or Quinn and Williams? I think we figured out pretty solidly the Niners made the right choice. But I think Quinn will be motivated. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a good player. So it'll be a little extra juice there. Hironis Garasu will probably be the center. Ben Garland could play, but chances are it's going to be Hironis Garasu. I think we'll be able to tell a lot of how Kyle Shanahan is feeling in this game by how aggressive he is. If he's going for it on fourth down, I think that shows he knows we got to start getting in the end zone. We got to start getting some points. You know, in basketball, they say it's always good for a shooter to see the ball go through the net. I think he's going to want to see the ball go through the net a few times. So maybe we see him go for it on fourth down near the middle of the field, fourth and short. Take a couple of deep shots. Please, Kyle, let's see it. Brandon Ayuk should be good to go make his debut. I know he's a rookie, but he can run. Let him go. Take a couple shots. If all goes well for the 49ers this week, the whole division could be tied at 1-1. One and one. Seattle's hosting New England. The Rams are in Philly to play the Eagles. And Arizona's got to take on Washington, and normally I'd give Arizona the edge, but Washington looked pretty good last week. They were down 17 points and came back. They're feeling good. They finally have a head coach in Washington who's an adult. This weekend could be a complete get-right weekend for the whole division. Everybody could be tied at 1-1. One and one. Niners faithful will be able to exhale a little bit. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if you then, if you then look at week three, the Rams are going to Buffalo. The Cardinals have the Lions. And the Seahawks are playing the Cowboys. So, I mean, things could really start to shape up for the 49ers. Just like I said after Sunday's loss, if we get through the first quarter of the season and the 49ers are 3-1, and one, they're going to be just fine. The first step of that happens this week. All right, why don't we do this? Let's take a little break, and then I want to get to the interview with uh, Bob Glauber. Uh, I asked him about the Jets and the Giants, obviously, but then we went sort of a little bigger picture with Patrick Willis Hall of Fame chances and uh, we dove into some of his great Bill Walsh stories from his book. So Bob Glauber coming up next. We'll be right back. I am so pleased and privileged to be able to be joined by what I can only describe as the great Bob Glauber from Newsday. Bob, thanks so much. Robert, it's a pleasure to be here and really glad to be talking to you on that side of the mic. And it's, it's, it's all good, my man. You are the only person that calls me Robert. Well, I usually call you Che, so um, Robert maybe is a step up now that you're, you know, running the show. We both know I've been called worse, that's for sure. Yes, yes. So I want to get into a couple different things with you. Obviously, the 49ers will be playing both New York teams, so that's going to be something we'll talk about. But also, I mean, you wrote one of my favorite books, Guts and Genius, the story of three unlikely coaches who came to dominate the NFL in the 80s. I have questions about that that I can't let you go without asking you about. And you're a Hall of Fame voter, and there's a couple 49ers that I am curious to get your thoughts on because you've been in that room so you know what it's like. So I trust your opinion there. So let's start with the game this weekend. Niners, Jets. If you asked me two days ago, I would have said this is going to be just a complete demolition. The 49ers are going to roll right over the Jets. Then they lose week one. They have a ton of injuries. And now I'm just hoping to eke out of there with a win. Well, I, you know, I think they will win. I, and I listen, if you saw the Jets last week, I'm sure you did. It was just comedy of errors. And they're, they're just not in a good place right now but look week to week things change in the nfl and, and they can get together there were some promising things for the jets some promising plays for sam Darnold, but but a lot of you know disturbing ones too and if, you know to me the 49ers are just too good of a team 
And I know it was an upset last week, but look, divisional opponent, uh, improved team, Kyler Murray, big, big step up. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I, I guess I'm not terribly surprised they kept it close. Maybe a little surprised they won, but you know, Arizona is, is, is a good team and they got good players. Um, the Jets are not a good team and they don't have good players. So I, I think just matchup wise, it, this should tilt in the 49ers favor. You know, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and he has a great head coach. He's got really good skill players around him. He has an incredible defense. And comparing that to Sam Darnold, he has nothing around him. The Jets have not supported Sam Darnold in any way whatsoever. Yep. It's really a shame because, you know, they're in a weird spot roster-wise, Rob, because and we were talking to Christopher Johnson, the team owner, yesterday about this, and he basically admitted that he should have changed general managers a year earlier than he did because it was basically two off-seasons worth of moves that Mike McCagnan made with Adam Gase as the head coach, and then he brings in Joe Douglas as the GM last June. So it's a lot of catching up for a new regime to do, and there, you know Sam Darnold is the guy caught in the middle of all this because he's got a rebuilt offensive line. He's got different skill position players. He doesn't have Robbie Anderson, no continuity at wide receiver. Um, and defensively, they're, you know, they don't have a legitimate pass rusher. And they're, they're always kind of just, just playing from behind, even in terms of building the roster. So I, I think Joe Douglas is a good general manager, and I think he will stand the test of time. But at this very moment, they're, they're in a tough place roster-wise, and, and Sam Darnold is paying the price for it. You are making me feel so much better about this week, Bob. I got to tell you. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I watch too much of that Jets games, Jay. <laughs> so I don't know. But it's um, look, you know, the 49ers, I mean, let's, let's face it, they, they are the defending NFC champs. Uh, they have a good roster, they are well along in their progression as a playoff team, a building team, now a playoff team, a Super Bowl team. I'm not saying they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. I don't think they will. But, but again, you know, you got to look at the caliber of competition they're playing this weekend. And it's not like the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, we're just so used to speaking about the Cardinals and looking at them in, you know, terms of a bad football team, but they're, but they're not. They, they, they got it together. And, you know, they cut bait on Josh Rosen and made the right move with Kyler Murray. And, and you saw the progression. The Jets are just, they're just in a whole different spot right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not been very good for gangrene for quite a while. Um, now, the Niners are also going to play the Giants the week after. And I look at the Giants, and I didn't think that they embarrassed themselves against the Steelers at all. Daniel Jones had a couple of very bad plays. But I thought there was a lot I saw from the Giants that I think they're clearly the best football team in New York right now. Yeah, which, you know, maybe isn't saying much, but, you know, all things considered, it's like pick your poison. But I agree with you. And, and there were some things that, that they can build on. And I thought first game for a new head coach who'd had no head coaching experience before at any level, they looked like they're going to be a decent football team. Whether it happens this year, next year, or the year after, we don't know. But you can just kind of tell. You know, they practiced well. They practiced hard. Joe Judge has good football vision in terms of what he wants. And they showed some things in that game, even though it was you know, decidedly in Pittsburgh's favor by the end. But they did show some fight. And the offensive line is definitely a work in progress. They had a problem with Pittsburgh's pass rush. But Daniel Jones stood in there, hung in, 
made some good throws. And then, you know, if it were for that, that terrible throw in the third quarter <laughs> at the goal, I mean, I, I know it's like you got to take that into consideration, but that was a 19-play drive from deep in his own territory. He looked good on that drive. And then, you know, you just got to stay away from that big mistake. But, look, he's 23 years old. He's a young quarterback. He's going to gain experience. He's smart. And, and he works his butt off. So, I, you know, I, I think that's they're, – they're a good building block for this guy. And I think that he will be decent over time. I could ask you a thousand more questions on this, but I want to get to two other topics before I let you go. Um, the first is about your book, Guts and Genius, like I said. I obviously, as a huge Niner fan, knew a ton about Bill Walsh before I started reading it. But some of the stories you have in there about him and what he went through and how emotionally just – I mean, he was a wreck for so much of the time in San Francisco, even when things were going well. Do you think that Bill Walsh could coach today with, with the, everybody having a camera phone and all the media that there are today? Do you think that he would survive today, or do you think he wouldn't have been able to do it? Well, that's a good question. No, I think he would have been able to do it, but I, I think he would have been a, a short-term coach like he was. Now, 10 years is uh, 10 or 12 years, whatever. It's not, it's not that short a period of time. I believe it was 10 for – for Walsh, but it was intense for him. It's even more intense now. So personality-wise, he was very insecure, extremely insecure. Brilliant, but insecure. And I, I was blown away by how insecure he was, and, and the people who knew him best would tell these stories. I mean, Mike White, a former, you know, one of his best friends, a longtime assistant coach of his, talked about how after the 82 season, this is one year after he wins a Super Bowl in San Francisco. After the 82 season, the strike year, he feels so bad that he didn't make the playoffs. He calls Mike White, who was coaching in the Hula Bowl, um, and he says, Mike, I, I want you to coach the team. I, I can't do this. I, I just can't do it. I'm like, oh, my God. And so Mike White says, Bill, hey, son, I talked to him for 40 minutes. I explained to him, you cannot do this. You can't be the general manager. This, this team works because you're the coach and you can't do it. So he talked him off the ledge and there, I can't tell you how many times he had to be talked off the ledge. And I think that's one reason why he didn't last longer because Eddie D at the end said, you know, I can't keep talking this guy off the ledge. I can't keep reassuring him. I, I think I want to change. And, and Eddie kind of got a little bit too big for his own um, britches mm -hmm. in the respect that he kind of thought he was doing it. And, you know, it was Walsh, and by the end, Walsh was just this burned-out husk who just had to step away. And, and he regretted it shortly after. After he recovered from the season in 88, after the 88 season, he's like, all right, I, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> and he never coached again in, in the pros, um, but, but he knew then that he, he had stepped aside too early. So it would have been a wild ride for Walsh in, in today's NFL. I just can't imagine being so good at what you do, but also kind of so unaware of it in a way. It was so strange. Yeah, it was strange, but he had that in his, in his growing up. You know, he had this, you know, high-low thing. He was a very lonely child um, growing up. Parents had some issues. Um, there were some marital issues there. There were some psychological issues. And, and Walsh was a very sensitive child. You know, he, he didn't really do well with it. Um, but he persevered. Sports was his outlet, and and that you know became his purpose. But but it was tough. I could imagine if if Bill Walsh had Bill Belichick's deadpan personality, 
that guy, if he was still alive, he might be coaching today. And then that's the, that's the sad part of it is that, you know, even those three guys that I wrote about Walsh, Gibbs and Parcells, they were all like, like kind of 10 years and out guys. Um, Parcells kept, kept coming back, but the prime of his career was, was relatively short with the giants, 83 to 90. And it was just so intense. And, and it was intense partly because those guys kept taking turns, beating each other up on the field. <laughs> and it was this great rivalries. I mean, just great. I had a chance to cover them starting in 85 and I didn't realize how special it was. It, it felt special and it was like great football to watch. And I'm thinking, okay, it's always like this. Well, no, it's not. And it was truly a unique time in the NFL. Maybe the, you know, the, the golden age of, of coaching and, and, you know, games and rivalries in the NFL because free agency changed a lot and the attention on the NFL changed a lot. So coaching in today's NFL, a lot different than it was in the eighties. Absolutely. There was something different about bringing back basically the same teams every year to come face yes. each other. Yeah. Yeah. They knew each other. You had more veteran players, so they're better at what they do. You don't have to keep churning the bottom of the roster and introducing new players to the NFL, teaching them year after year, which is, the brilliance of Belichick is that this guy continues to do it. Um, and in, in no matter what the circumstances are and how your rosters are built and what the free agency or roster situation is. So he, he's incredible. But back then, you did have your teams. You knew who they were. You had a chance to keep great teams together. And I think the result was just this tremendous sequence of rivalries and just great football for that entire decade the book is guts and genius the story of three unlikely coaches who came to dominate the nfl in the 80s you should definitely pick it up now all three of those coaches bob are hall of famers which segues me into my last question good for you. segue stats See? good segue you pick You're things good, up man. when you sit behind yep. mike florio for seven years <laughs> you poor um, guy. <laughs> the tw I'm just going to leave that there. The 2021 uh, Hall of Fame nominees are out, and I want to ask you about Patrick Willis. He, he doesn't have a long career, but he has greatness. His highs were very, very high. You've been in the room. How is that looked at by guys in that room? He's very great, but not for very long. Yeah, you know, that's the, the only knock against Patrick Willis is the brevity of the career, and it's going to be an issue. Now, I, I think – Performance-wise and talent-wise, he is a Hall of Fame player. Um, the one thing that people struggle with in the room is the longevity. And it happened with – but Terrell Davis got in. And that was, that was a big moment for a guy like Patrick Willis. It's very meaningful that I think it was a four-year period for Davis that he had true dominance. And then injuries kind of cut short the rest of his career or just limited him. So uh, – Tony Baselli's having trouble now getting in because it's brevity and he's going up against at his position. He's going up against, you know, Kevin Mawai, uh, guys who play Steve Hutchinson, guys who played a much longer mm -hmm. period of time. And it's like, you know, you, you just can't question it. So the length of career is definitely going to be an issue for Patrick Willis, but the talent and the skill level certainly is not. Seven full seasons for Willis, seven Pro Bowls, five first-team All-Pros. He was a defensive rookie of the year. If they won that Super Bowl yeah, that's, against – That's in. I mean, that's, that's going to be in. You oh, know, I'm telling so. you. Yeah. I so. get Niner fans upset because I don't think longevity has to be part of it for me. Anybody can be – not anybody, but a lot of guys can be great for one, two, or three years. But to be great consistently is what separates you from everyone else. So I didn't think Terrell Davis should be in. 
I could understand if they kept Patrick Willis out. To me, you have to be great for a long time, but that's just sort of my personal bias. Yeah, but seven years is a long time. And was it five? You said five first team All Pros. Yes. I mean, that's that is not insignificant, my man. So I I think that'll I think at the end of the day, whenever that day is, in terms of it, you know, it's it's hard. This year, I think there are three surefire guys um, uh, in in Woodson, Peyton Manning, and um, Calvin. Calvin, Calvin Johnson? Johnson, right? So, yeah, I think Calvin will get in. Wow. Because there's another brevity, you know. Mm-hmm. He cut it short. Okay. Um, but I think those three get in. So there are a limited number of spots. It's a couple of spots for the rest of a great, great class of, of finalists or semifinalists. Well, here's hoping. I'd like to see it just because I like Patrick Willis. I think he's just – his story is incredible. He's one of the all-time great people. Just like you, Bob, one of the all-time great people. Ah. You're very kind, Stats. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, go buy the book. Again, Guts and Genius. It is fantastic. The great Bob Glauber, everybody. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Bob Glauber. He is one of the best. He's a great guy, a great writer, somebody I got to know a little bit at NBC when we worked together. And I always appreciate his time. That's going to do it for me. I will be back on Sunday with a complete reaction pod. We'll break down everything that happened. Please rate, review, Subscribe to the podcast. If you like us, awesome. If you don't like us, tell us what you want us to do better. You can always follow me on Twitter, at StatsOnFire. And if you want to follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network, that is at NN Podcasts. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the game.